I like to say this is my first take, but it definitely isn't. Let's get on with it. Today's episode was recorded in September, and it's with the broadcaster and the wonderful chef, I don't know why I cooked for him, Bill Buckley. Now, he is a great guy, so many funny stories, and I'm really looking forward to hearing this. Enjoy. Bonjour, or just hello. Yes, I'm Daniel Johnson, and this is, all together now, Best Thing. I know you know, but for people that have not listened to this before, thank you for listening and where have you been? Uh, Best Thing is a feel-good podcast where we talk to wonderful guests in the entertainment industry and beyond and make it sound like we're talking to aliens. Maybe we are. We talk about their best things when it comes to food, travel, TV and film, music, something random and about them. It's not easy to answer, but it's worth it. Our wonderful guest today is the broadcaster and radio presenter, Bill Buckley. He's an absolutely lovely star, and I remember listening to him on the way home. He kept me nice and safe when he was on LBC. He was one of the first winners on Come Dine With Me. He is a wonderful guest, and I can't wait to get into his best things. Obviously, we've got the wonderful Adam Harris keeping us all fact-checked and making sure we get those lovely answers right at the end as well. Bethia Beats giving us the track of the pod, which we played right at the end. We've got Film Bag as well for those films that we've missed out on. And we think, I need something new to watch. Anyway, we're going to be doing the interview very soon, so I can't wait to get started. Next up, Adam Harris's fact-checking question, followed by the wonderful Bill Buckley. Hey, hey, Adam, fat chicken, doing the fact checking for you. Um, I'm finding out today whether baby giant pandas are smaller at birth than a mouse. That seems impossible. They're giant pandas. But we're going to find out for you and we're going to talk about it at the end of Daniel's wonderful podcast. See you there. Bill, I mean, I've just cooked soup for you. You did? Potatoes in the oven, uh-huh. waiting, and they're kind of simmering. Um, and then the sea bass, and then we've got a dessert, a crumble. I'm very impressed. And, and you, you've, you're telling me you've made all this yourself? All of it. Including the pud, which is Include, great. And, including the pud. And there's just the two of us. And I'm thinking, if, if one person had come to spend an evening with me, would I have gone to that degree of trouble? And I'm not entirely sure I would. So, wow. Thank you very much. It is It is funny because my friend told me, he was like, please do not tell my wife what you do for your friends and other halves. <laughs> like, not other halves, but you know what I mean. Yeah. But, but it's uh, because he's like, because I might have to do it. Mm. There's just laziness, isn't it? Just do it. Come on, Bill. Well, it depends how busy you are, doesn't it? If you've got the time and you've got the inclination. And of course, I'm assuming you really like doing it. I like being a host. Um, I'm a bit like Monica from Friends and I like kind of just going, hey, I'm like, but also I'm massively tired just for doing this. I've been doing it for all day. Like this morning (laughs) I I made the soup and then everything's going and I cut the veg and stuff like that. And yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to put my hand up though. The crumble is from the freezer. Now I did make it. I just not made it today. That's, in fact, that's, that's very good um, housekeeping. That's That's good, isn't it? There you go. Housekeeping. I like Very that. Good. Um, which brings us into our first topic, mm. food, food, Bill. Yes, yeah, very important to me. This is super important. Yeah. What, so you, you're like quite a good cook. <sighs> Come on. Some people have been kind enough to say so. Yes. Yeah. I've. I've. I, when I left home, uh, I lived at our house. It was my nan, my mum's mum, and my dad and mum and me. And uh, my mum was a very good cook, but my nan was a terrific cook because she'd been a pro. Uh, she was from a very poor family and at 14 uh, her schooling finished and she uh, went to a department store in Birmingham I believe it was called Taylors of Erdington long gone by the time I was going to say does that exist now no No. (laughs) and I think she was basically washing up in the in the kitchens wow and I think by the time she and she's got long gone now so I can't check any of this out but as far as I remember by the time she retired, she still worked for Taylors of Erdington, and she was running the entire food operation. What? Yeah, which was like restaurant, um, sort of coffee bar place, and staff meals. And I remember mum saying during the war, 
They didn't go short of food, really, because little, little bits of stuff would arrive home. So she was a fantastic <laughs> cook. And because she was retired and living with us, she had plenty of time to cook, whereas my mum was working and therefore had less time. So she did probably the bulk of it. And I loved her food. And my party trick from the age of about five was knowing who had made the short crust pastry, my mum or my nan. And <laughs> Who's the, was better? Who's better? They, they, I honestly couldn't say one or the other. No, you're being very good. No, I mean very it. They were both great. But, <laughs> but there was some, and I can't even tell you what it was, but there was some minute difference. And the pie would arrive. It could be a, a, a meat pie for dinner. It could be a dessert pie. And my dad would say, all right then, Mr. Clever, who made the pastry for this one? And I go, um, oh, that's, that's Nan Shortcrust pastry. And he'd, he'd look to the two women and Nan would say, yes, he's right again. I could just do it, and this was my little party trick. So I always had that, that sort of propensity towards food, I think. It is a great party trick. I mean, in, in the world of Marvel Comics, I don't know if it's the best superpower. <laughs> I'd much rather have it than some of the things they can do. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. My, my niece is similar that she could tell if sausages that she likes are bought from either Tesco's or somewhere else, because she likes the Tesco's ones, mm. and she can tell if they're not the Tesco's. There you go. And then she won't eat them. <laughs> She's a food critic in the making. That's what she is. That's maybe what she's going to do. Yeah. I mean, food is really funny because uh, I've always said everyone would like all food if it's presented the way it's meant to be presented. And I think what happened is when, especially when we're younger, and if you haven't, if you haven't got a lot of time or anything like that, or people around you, or school dinners, apparently that's that's one of the things that stopped people liking certain types of food because they had it at school and it was terrible. Mm -hmm. But I actually think. If you prepare or you go to the best place that do the thing that you don't like, you will like it. Is there anything, and I asked you this question on text message before you came over and I cooked. Yes. What don't you like? Right. Well, I, I'm, I'm very sad to say, because I feel it's, if you're a proper foodie, you would be able to, to like it. I struggle with offal in its natural state. I mean, that's fair. Do you think? Yeah. I, it's so, I mean, kidneys in particular, you, mm. you can guess exactly what the function of a kidney is by eating one, for yeah. heaven's sake. You yeah. know, that's not pleasant at all. Now, when they're turned into a, a, a velvety pate oh. or a lovely herby haggis, uh, they're, they're fantastic. But, and seeing prepared in the way that it should be prepared, not just on its own. <laughs> but, but an awful lover would say, no, you know, a, a piece of liver lightly dusted in seasoned flour and cooked just a little bit so it's like a medium rare steak is a beautiful thing. That's the, the proper way of doing it. But, you know, no amount of cooking things like that in any, in any particular way would, uh, would do it for me. The, the other one is boiled eggs, especially a soft boiled egg. I think the texture... I had one today, sorry. Oh, I God, blimey. The, te <laughs> the texture of the white is hideous. The smell is appalling. And my husband really likes eggs. And I was away last night with, with friends. So we could have eggs. Did he have eggs? And of course he had eggs. <laughs> and even when I got back today, I, I thought, is, uh, is, is the toilet backing up? Is it doing... <laughs> Is this going to be a 500 quid job with a plumber or something? And then I said, oh, hang on, did you have eggs? He said, yeah, of course I had eggs because you weren't here. Oh, that's fine then. <laughs> that's what the way around you want him to do it. He could probably open some windows, I feel. Um, Food-wise, Bill, um, what would you say is the best thing when it comes to food for you? Well, I, I like pretty much any cuisine. Um, having married a Filipino, I've been exposed to Filipino cuisine, which not many people are really in this no. country. So that's been a, a great adventure. And he cooks really well. If I could only have one cuisine, what Ooh. would it be? Um, it would either be uh, traditional British, which finally people are rating and realising that we do all kinds of it's things. It's not just bland bread rolls. Really well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, in terms of breakfasts, we beat the rest of the world hands down. Yes. In terms of dessert, especially hot desserts, like the crumble that you made and frozen are going to serve me in a little while. Yes. So much, you can have your fanciest French tart in the world with three layers of apricot glaze, glaze on the top of it, but it's, it doesn't come anywhere near it. Do you know, I remember once um, when he was doing one of his BBC Two series, um, Raymond Blanc uh, was saying, um, now I'm, I'm going to give you my, my reinvention of a crumble. Well, his, his reinvention of a crumble was a fruit sorbet and a, a big circular biscuit. Oh, no. And, and why this was great was because he said... It, it gets rid of that awful problem where the stewed fruit meets the crumble topping and you get the, the wet squidgy layer. 
That's the best bit. Huh? I was screaming at my television. Yes. This is someone who, <laughs> I'm sure the dessert was, you know, a 10. But if I'd gone to the Le Manoir and I'd ordered uh, a crumble and yeah. that had arrived, it would have been a zero because yeah. it wasn't a crumble. So either British or perhaps it's because I'm, I'm a Brummy and I think we have the best in, in, in the land, uh, possibly the world, but certainly the land. Indian is my <sighs> other great love. The Balti Triangle, um, I'm a veteran of. And it's the first thing I do on a Friday night when I go, in inverted commas, home for the weekend. So those are my two great uh, loves, I think. That sounds amazing. Yeah, so a British, which is good. I think you're flying a flag for that, which is quite nice because there's some wonderful things. Yeah. <clears throat> my crumble. Um, and yeah. uh, Indian um, in Birmingham. Um, I think that's pretty mm. good. I think people are now going to be hungry listening to that. So what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about travel next. <laughs> Bill, travel, 2020, none of it's happened. Mm -hmm. I haven't been anywhere. Oh, no, wait a minute. That's a lie. I have been to places in Scotland and I've been to Devon, staycations. Are you a fan of a staycation? Yes, I always have been, actually. And, and there's still many places in the UK that I haven't been to and mean to. I've got a friend, a um, very old friend, and he wants to go to all the places that are on the BBC weather map. <laughs> And I've been to all of them but three, so we've got together. We've, at some point, we're going to go to Stornoway, which they always have on, and Aberdeen, which they always they do. use. And I think Cardiff is the other place for bizarrely. So Scotland and Wales are where you're not It's only just down the M4. I know. Strange <laughs> that, isn't it? But um, yeah, no, I like staycation, but I like, I like the rest of the world as well. And of course, I was so lucky in the 80s to be a reporter on the BBC's holiday programme, which I did for six years. I mean, that is jammy. That it is was. jammy. I mean, I could, I could sit here and I could say to you, well, that's what everybody says, but in fact, it's very hard work. Was and it? Yes, it was. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, you know, you do arrive and you do get up in the morning, you do have your breakfast and you do then film until yes, that supper is time. Yes. And probably even then do a few notes for the next day. But nonetheless, <laughs> filming is always like that, as you will know. I do. So you could be doing that in, I don't want to say the name of a British town because, you know, it's just, it's the Where were you going like to say? The, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Hadn't actually got that far in the thought process. We, before we the will leave that for the listeners, in. and they can say their own one. Yeah, exactly. Because I once yeah. said someone I said a name like that, and I've got to be careful because I work for Postcode Lottery, so I'm everywhere. Oh yeah. And I said, oh, it could be worse. You could be from Grimsby, and she went, I am. And I was like, oh, there you go. We learn never, these things. Never, never say stuff. So well done, Bill, for, for yeah. something. Like so abroad wise, where are your go tos? Did you, where, did you go on holiday when you were a kid? Oh, we're never well. I see. I'm very, very old, and it was quite unusual. Well, you look very, very young. You're, so you're a lovely man. Um, it was it, families like us didn't go abroad on holiday. Me neither. No. Oh, there you are. No, yeah. So it was um, being being a Brummie. It, Wales would be the most frequent, and then sometimes down to the southwest, Devon or Cornwall. And then my mum and dad got this weird idea to go to the Isle of Skye. Ooh. And we went there for about. Th I th I'll tell you why they had the idea. There used to be a service called Motor Rail. Uh, and what you did is you put your car on the back of the train and you slept overnight in a carriage. Yeah. If you want to pay a lot of money, you could have like bunk beds. If you wanted to pay less, you could just have a, you know, there's old carriages with three or four seats facing each other. Yeah, we did. We did a steam train the other day in, uh, oh, in Brixham. There you go. Then. There you go. So you, you do that. And if the three of you, you take the, the cushions off the seats and it would give you the whole carriage would be full of a double bed. Perfect. And that's what mum and dad and I used to do. And I think it was just because that for the whole of the Midlands, the motor rail terminal was in Sutton Coldfield, which was less than a mile from our house. <laughs> so all the other passengers had come from Worcester or Leicester or, but we, we were just around the corner. So that's what we used to do. And we went over to the Isle of Skye. So that was my, my growing up um, holidays. My first foreign trip was when I was 16. And it was to go and stay with my school. Our school in a, a Parisian school uh, had a pen friend operation going on. And um, I went and spent three weeks in Paris. Nice. With, with Pierre and his family. And, uh, Do you still pen pal with him now? Yeah, I still know him, yeah. Do you really? Oh, See, yeah. I think they should bring it back. Because I think that yeah. things like that, because it's easier. You could be pen pal, but maybe just Instagram friends now. But <laughs> We wouldn't. No, never going to do it with those blue letters in the post. That, you know, very thin paper, are you? No. But yeah, so that was my first trip abroad. Um, flew Birmingham to, to Paris and back again. And then my very next second trip was all the way to Australia to stay with my auntie and uncle. Oh my goodness, that is a trip. In, and a in half. the days when it took, it was 30 hours to get to uh, Melbourne. How many it, flights? Just two? Or? Uh, no, there were two to get to Australia. Yeah. And then it was, a, it was like a bus. It called at Perth, then it called at Sydney. And finally, 
we got to uh, Melbourne, and I'm not sure I could do it now, but at the age of 22, it was all right. There must be some fast-tracking planes that can go all the way across now, isn't there not? I don't know if they have to stop once, possibly. Probably in Kuala Lumpur or something like that. I don't know, I don't know. So what what a contrast, my first two flights. Can you believe it? Like an hour and then a lifetime. <laughs> and it put you off so much, which is so funny. You're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. That's that's way too far. Well, what I would do now, you see, I'd, I'd break the journey. Yes. And, and an ideal thing to do would be, and we've ta- Ramel and my husband and I have talked about this, next time we go to the Philippines, we can go to the Philippines, which is a bearable journey. Yeah. How, how long is that? It's, I thought, I'm going to get this wrong. It's about, I've seen about nine hours, eight okay. or nine hours. Well, fact checking that, so someone will pop up and uh, they'll tell us how oh, much very good. That's great. That's good. Cluck, cluck. London to Philippines flights are 13 hours and 20 minutes. Um, and then have a few days there and then go on to Australia or maybe uh, New Zealand, which I've never been to. I would love to go to New Zealand. His, his stepsister is now a nurse in New Zealand, so we could see Somewhere her. to stay. And then come back and have a few more days in a different part of the Philippines and then come home again. So when all this, when the, when the war is over, yes. um, that's probably something that we will do, I think. That sounds splendid. Uh, mm. What would you say is the best thing when it comes to travel for you, Bill? Uh, it's a, it's a cliche, but it's it's definitely people. It's the people that you meet. It's the conversations that you have. I you see in this country, I don't like them, but abroad, I love shared Ubers. I love them because you have you you can't just sit there, the two of you, with two strangers when when your thighs are pressing into each other in the back seat. It's not and, romantic, and, is it? And not talk. <laughs> you've, you've you've got to have a conversation, of haven't course, you? Of course. And I mean, our last few trips have been to America, and we had some fantastic conversations in New York. We shared a taxi with a middle-aged New York couple. Uh, he was a staunch Trump supporter, mm-hmm. and she thought Trump was the the child of the devil. And so they said, so what do you guys make of all this back in England? Well, what a great conversation Uh-oh. that was. I really enjoyed that one. So it's, it's always the people, you know, and, and the way they live and the different, the different priorities that they have and the different customs that they have. And it does broaden the mind. And the more you travel, the more you think that our similarities are greater than our differences. Oh, I'm going to leave it at that. That sounds amazing. So Bill's best thing when it comes to travel is the people. Uh-huh. Especially in like Ubers sat next to each other talking about yeah. politics. If, you, if your thighs are pressing against each other, the ice is broken. That's my experience. <laughs> oh, that happened in Soho. Anyway, next up, we're going to be talking film and TV. We'll be right back with Bill to find out his best things when it comes to film and TV. But before we've got that, we've got the boys at Film Bag. And it's over to Tom to tell you what to watch. Hey everyone, it's Tom, and welcome back to another instalment of Tom's Film Bag. This week's film is Knives Out, directed by Ryan Johnson with an absolutely stacked cast, going from the likes of Daniel Craig, Lucky Stanfield and Tony Collette, to Anna Diarmas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Chris Evans, and even more beyond that. The film centres around a murder mystery at the Thromby family estate, where Daniel Craig's detective Benoit Blanc has to withstand family squabbles to get to the heart of this cold-blooded murder. Here's a quick clip to give you a glimpse of the mystery at hand. Harlan started out with a rusty Smith Corona and built himself into one of the best-selling mystery writers of all time. 30 languages, over 80 million copies sold. You guys fans? I mean, I don't do much fiction reading myself. Big fan. I'm a big fan. I'm a massive fan of Ryan Johnson's directorial style, from his TV work on Breaking Bad to one of my favourite Star Wars films in The Last Jedi. So to see him helm a murder mystery is quite exciting considering how different it is to films he's done before. Despite his inexperience in the genre, Johnson handles it like an expert, infusing the film with thrilling moments, a gripping story, and enjoyable characters. No spoilers here, but Knives Out had me constantly guessing throughout, and there's more than a few turns here and there to throw you off. With such a vast lineup of actors, it is really impressive how every character gets at least one standout moment, and people are bound to have different favourites coming out of it. The film is available to watch now on Amazon Prime, and we'll see you next time for another dive into the film bag. Bill, film and TV. Have you been watching a lot of film and TV, you know, in this time that we couldn't leave our house and had to stay in the whole time? Yeah, probably more so, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, one of of two things which I hadn't got around to uh, first time, which they put into the schedules at peak time because they haven't got anything else. That's proved very useful. I mean, I know you can find anything you want and watch it, but when it's kind of handed to you on a plate, you're more inclined to consume it, I think. So, for example, I watched National Treasure. Oh, yeah. With uh, Robbie Coltrane and uh, Julie Walters. It's great. I thought it was it's really dark. Really dark, but really powerful. 
I thought they were all great. I thought, I thought Julie was phenomenal. In Beyond that. phenomenal. Yeah. She's always good, though. She there's, is, and yeah. there's nothing, even in a talk show, she's worth watching, yeah. isn't she? And nobody's got a bad word to say about her. No, she, it really, imagine that. You really do see what you get. Do you know how many people have got bad words to say about me? Loads. So. Right? <laughs> I'm not one of them, I have to say. So yeah. I've enjoyed that. And yeah, that's, that's amazing. And like, it's great in this day and age. Could you imagine we had to go through this? And, uh, you know, obviously there's war times before, but imagine we had to go through this 20 years beforehand. Mm. You know, there were only four TV channels, maybe Channel 5 might be on, but no one was watching that at the time, you know. And we're so lucky. That we have, okay, it's been really difficult and you know, people have been lost and it's been really tough time for so many people to get through. But we have all this technology in our house. We probably have a TV in every room or have a, a laptop or have an mm -hmm. iPad or have a, a tablet or have a phone where you can yeah, watch yeah. YouTube and Netflix and catch up on. It's incredible. I think the saddest part about it is that um, now there are some people who are very old and are very, very good at tech. Uh, for example, in our family, if I'm stuck, if even Ramel, who teaches IT, is stuck, <laughs> we ask my cousin's husband, who is well into his 70s, there and he can do it. He's, he's phenomenal. So there are a lot of older people who are great, but there are some older people who've let it go by them and haven't engaged in it. And they need it now more than anybody else. And they're the ones who haven't got it. And I think that's very sad. My top tip for everyone um, listening when you don't know how to do anything in this day and age if you don't know how to do it someone has made a video of it on YouTube yeah. of yeah. anything of anything mm -hmm. you could ever imagine and like, the nicest story I heard is a granddad had um, kind of he didn't he wasn't tech forward or anything like that. he didn't know really what to do but he hadn't seen his grandson for ages for ages like mate, 10, 12, 14, 20 weeks and he learned how to play Fortnite, which is a game that I his, don't know that exactly which is a game that a very popular game that his grandson plays a lot of my nephew plays a lot of right. and he learned how to play Fortnite so he could talk to his grandson yeah and those are little things that like, we are slowly pushing that generation to go oh no you you need we're mm. gonna get you an ipad we're mm. gonna put four numbers in here you just press one of them and you can call us and we can call you and yeah. we can see you. Yeah. That's that that's incredible. Um, TV wise, what were you watching when you were younger? Can you can you remember like Ooh, favorites? Well, well, I suppose more than anything, I, I was watching talent shows. Okay. Because I from a very early age knew that I had to show off the money in one way or another. I hadn't really decided which way. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to do all of them. I wanted to be a radio presenter, a telepresenter, an actor. Uh, a singer-songwriter. Perfect. All these Diversifying things there as well. It's got a brand. Well, I'm not sure it was a good idea, you see. Uh, when, when I was 18, I um, had an incredible stroke of luck. I was about to do my A-levels, and I got a slot on a program called Saturday Night at the Mill, Ooh. which was the, the late-night spin-off program from Pebble Mill at One, which was a daytime program that ran for years, mm -hmm. from Birmingham, from the Pebble Mill Studios in, in Birmingham. And um, I was always writing into places to try to get on the telly for whatever reason. And I wrote to this program uh, and I sent it a tape of my songs. And astonishingly, they rang me, they contacted me anyway and, and asked me in. And I went in and I played my songs for the director and the producer. And they booked me to be on this program wow. uh, with Kenny Ball and his jazz men doing the backing. Two songs with an interview in the middle, so I must have been on for at least nine minutes. That is a long time in this world. Yeah, it was, it was extraordinary. Um, but I, why am I telling you this? Oh, yes, because the producer afterwards, we were having a chat at the after-show party, and he said, he said, your problem, young man, is you've got to decide what you, you... Are you going to be the next Elton John slash Carol King slash Gilbert O'Sullivan? Or are you going to become a television presenter or, or a radio presenter? Not necessarily the same thing. Or are you going to go to drama school and learn to act? He said, if you do them all really well, nobody will think you're clever. That's true. If you can only do one of them really well, people will think you're some kind of legendary god. So just decide which one you like best. And I never decided, Daniel, which one I like best. Even to this day, could you decide which one you um, would, If you went back, what would you whispered into your ear? What would you have chose? 
Well, I know, now, what a question. if I say it's not the thing I do now, <laughs> this suggests I've had a tragic life. No, because you, you, you can be complacent about what you do now because you're like, you've done it. And you're like, oh, that's cool. But I would have loved to have done. I would. Okay. I would have loved to have been a singer songwriter. And I, I would like to have written the, the songs that the whole world sings to quote the Barry Manilow song. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful for the fact that I did at least write just one hit song because you can write songs. You can, to you, they can sound as good as any professional song. Your parents and your friends, because they know you and they love you, will say, no, they are. They're great songs. They're as good as anything that anybody's. But once people that have never met you go into a shop and in those days spend 50 pence yeah, to buy that record, then you do know that they are of professional standard. Can we still get that record now? I think it's very unlikely. It's on YouTube. People, oh, people watch, watch it on I'll YouTube. I'll find it and I'll put it in the link below so oh, people okay. can have a little listen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was the theme tune to a BBC TV series. Which is a great way of putting your music out. Uh, yes, it was. That was, that was. that was good. And of course, I, by that stage, I was working in tele. I was working for That's Life. So one got to hear about these things. I mean, I had to um, tender, uh, as did other songwriters, but my song got chosen and uh, became a hit. So I think I would like to be sitting back now uh, and, and you, you know, anybody could name off the top of their head six songs at least that, that I had written. And in fact, there'd be like, you know, a hundred published songs and people would stop me and say, um, you, you changed my life with that lyric. And there'd be some line in the lyric, which you, you only wrote because you were running short of time and it fitted with the, the verse, fitted with the rhyme scheme. And that's the one that they've taken up. You know, this happens, doesn't it, with songs? It's never the bit that, it is true, that, yeah. that matters to you that matters to somebody else because we all interpret And they make it we... themselves. As soon as you put any content out, people will make it themselves. They make up their own words. They sometimes don't even know the words of your song. Oh, they just true. make up their own words. Or they'd be like, oh, isn't it um, Sting's uh, Every Breath You Take? when he wrote that, was about stalking someone and people yeah. have it as a wedding song. Yes, I know. It's, a, like, it's a dark and, and weird song, really. Yeah. <laughs> Can I, Mar- uh, Ramel, my husband, yeah. is, is the world's best at getting lyrics wrong, right? Can I share with you his best ever, his worst please ever? Please do it, okay. please. So as you know, it should go, Puff the magic dragon lived yes, by, by the sea, sea and frolicked in the autumn mist in a land called Honolulu. That's how it should go. Oh, what did he say? Puff the magic dragon under the sink, and happiness and happiness in a one-horse open sleigh. (laughs) I love, can I just say, this is you through and through. You said you can't choose, back in the day, anything that you really want to do because you sort of did everything. Yeah. We've done this already just on the podcast because we are talking about TV and film. We've gone into music already. I love that. <laughs> I suppose. And now your husband's getting outed with not knowing the lyrics. Maybe he is right. But don't you think that's like a, a kind of genius to be able to reinvent it so wrongly? I love it. That has nothing to do with the song at all. And it goes into a well-known Christmas song. <laughs> and Puff the Magic Dragon wasn't even about Christmas. Oh, I think he, he cracks me up every time when he does it. Uh, we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back. Um, what would you say is the best thing for you when it comes to TV and film? Is it a, a, a TV program? Is it a film? Or is it just getting to chill out and watch it? Um, I hope I'm very discerning and I don't watch... Everyone says they don't watch much television, but honestly, I don't. Uh, what do I love on television? I love... Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fairly late arrival with RuPaul's Drag Race. Ooh. First person to say that, by the way. Okay. Um, I think I found it at about series six. So Good time to find it because they've got a budget now. <laughs> yeah. But of course, I've seen them all since. Yeah, of course. And, and I love the, the low budget early ones. I think they have a charm. more In the same way as Family Guy, which I think is, is perhaps the greatest, not just the greatest cartoon or the greatest comedy, but possibly the greatest TV series ever made of any kind. I hope people are nodding their heads to this because yeah. you are talking sense, Bill. Thank you. But again, with that, the early animation is very wobbly and it cheap. Yeah. And uh, the trouble with it, of course, they've gone on far too long and they've been treading water for a few years now and I have forsaken them. Always happens. And you're not the only person to say that as no. well. Um, if you wanted to go over to a different cartoon, it's a little bit out there, but Rick and Morty. It's oh, on nice. Netflix, and it's kind of like a parody of uh, Back to the Future. So oh, um, oh, see, yeah, the, yeah. the doc and stuff like that. And Marty. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah. Um, I, and that brings me to my whole thing about it, actually, is that you said that was, those are things you could have done. You would love to have the songs, and everyone knew them. But maybe in the multiverse, that is what's happening, Bill. Maybe not in your lifetime, but in another version of you, in another ver- wow. universe, could be that happening right now. And he'd be like, I wish I went into radio. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, of course, Brian and Stewie did manage to yes. get, go through hundreds of other 
um, parallel worlds, I didn't remember. they? <laughs> Um, so if only we could do that, because if, if this is happening, as you say, yeah. the trouble is I don't know about it. So yeah. from my point of view, it's very nice for those people who are enjoying the, the, the Bill Buckley songbook in another, in another dimension. <laughs> but as far as me, as far as I go, it, I don't benefit from this in any way. I don't want the money. I just want to, to know that all these other, it wouldn't be people, whatever they are, these well, things well, that are a bit like people. Well, maybe that's what we find out when we come to our end days, that we go, oh, I did achieve all these things in different versions. Oh, that would be That would be heaven, wouldn't it? Yeah, That would be. Would. I'm going to say the best thing about TV and film for you is finding RuPaul's Drag Race from Series 6 and then working backwards. That will do. And uh, a little bit of Family Guy, but the early days, not now. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's, That's my, good. my pair. <laughs> uh, next up, we're going to be talking music, even though we've just talked about music. But we're actually going to get into music okay. this time. We'll be right back with Bill to find out what his best thing is to do when it comes to music. But before we do that, we've got the wonderful Bethia Beats, and she has her track of the pod. So over to you, Bethia. everyone, it's Bethia from Bethia's Beats. For my feature this week, I thought, as this is my own section of the podcast, I should share with you guys what I've been working on as an artist over the past few months. I recently released a single in December 2020 called Safe Side, and it's probably my most personal song to date that I've ever released. It's a really, really special song to me, and I feel so grateful to have songwriting as a way of expressing my emotions and to get things off my chest. This song is playing in the background right now, and I worked on this one with the very, very talented Mort. He's a producer and also an artist, and I would love to know what you guys think of it. To listen to the full song, it will be playing at the end of the podcast, along with all of the details of my social media and where you can find my music. Thank you so, so much, and I'll see you next time. We had a lovely break. Thanks, Bethia, for helping us out with the new music. I, 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 I don't know any new music, so I use Bethia to make sure that I can add it to my playlist okay. uh, when the new tracks come in. Um, what are you listening to right now, Bill? Are you What's on your shuffle on hmm. your iPod? I mean, no one has iPods anymore, but you know what I mean. Well, um, I'm as I've mentioned previously, I'm extremely old. And um, I've got to the state... I can remember my mother not knowing the difference between the Osmonds and the Jackson 5. <laughs> and getting very confused. And I understand they're both families. Yeah, well, indeed. And you could cross them over. You could just think they're the Osmonds and they're Jackson 5. Well, you could do. Yeah. But when you're um, a, a teenager, and <laughs> that you think, it is not possible that anybody can't know something like that. And I'm now at that age where I don't necessarily know which female voice it is so I, I'm exposed to modern music luckily because we play a, a surprising percentage of it on BBC Radio Berkshire you do and I I like a lot of it and I you know I, I, hear, I hear it and I announce what it was and then it doesn't go into so, my head <laughs> yes and I don't quite know why that is <laughs> so I don't tend to have anything very current on my uh, on my music selection uh, my, my two if I have two great love I have many great loves of music um, I love show music I love Sondheim and all that. Um, I've got a very soft spot for Gilbert and Sullivan. Oh, I am the very model of a modern major general. For example, mm -hmm. yeah. And this is because um, at school we, we did a, a Gilbert and Sullivan opera every other year. And it was an all-boys grammar school. Mm -hmm. um, so it was completely routine and in no way remarkable or to be laughed at for the boys whose voices hadn't yet broken to play the girls' parts. I am the very model of a modern... No, we didn't do that, funnily enough. <laughs> but, it's the only one I know. I, can't, oh, right. I don't know anymore. Well, when, when, when I was in my very first year, when I was only 11, we did The Mikado, which, which I think musically is the most beautiful yes. GNS. And I got the role. I got the Princess Yum Yum. <laughs> yeah. So I had the, the big song, The Sun Whose Rays. And I had the audience, you know, every night. In a moment. And that was a, that was a, that was a big moment in, in my formative years. And the other weird thing about that was that um, I had this great big black Japanese wig, okay, which I which I put on backstage uh, for the dress rehearsal, and I gasped because my mother was looking back at me from the mirror, and my mom and dad came every night to watch. God bless them, and. My mom lost count of the number of times that in the interval people said, uh, your son's very good. And she said, how do you know it's my son? Because 
He looks just like you. The people were absolutely... So, <laughs> so I love Gilton Sullivan. For all kinds of complicated, strange reasons. <laughs> but my my big loves of, in music are the two bodies of work that are Philadelphia and Tamla Motown nice. in Detroit. Um, I think the Philly sound is very un- underrated. They don't celebrate their music in the same way that Detroit celebrates Motown. You know, there's no. the Motown Museum, which is the, the, the little bungalow where they did all the Motown music. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been and you can go round and... Wow. They show you all the artifacts, and you can stand in the studio, and you can the the men sing "My Girl" and the women sing oh I can't remember some supreme one of the supreme songs. So you can actually you can stand at the microphone, and you're surrounded by pictures of of Smokey and Stevie and Marvin and Diana doing just that very thing. So that's fantastic. Wow. Then you go to Philadelphia, and there's nothing like no. that. And you know the the artists and the music that came out of out of there was uh, it's fun. that wonderful lush. It's developed by this stage. This is, this is no longer rock and roll with three guitars and a, and a set of drums. This is highly skilled string sections and, and, and fabulous rhythm sections and all the rest of it, you know, and these very distinctive voices. Billy Paul, why didn't he have more hits? What, a, what an unusual and, and special voice that Weirdly was. Weirdly enough, we use his song in the Postcode Lottery. So you do. Yeah, we Knocking do. on the door, ringing what the bell. Weird, he, and I looked that up and he did a cover of that song six months after Paul did it with Wings. It was so strange, like because Tom Jones used to do those things as well. He did covers of like Prince and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I do a, a cover version feature on my show every day, where and it's it's when I think that a cover version has actually improved upon the original. And Ooh. I did dare to do Billy Paul's Let Him In over Paul McCartney's it Wings. Is, it is Let better, though. I think it is. I it think is it better. Is. Yeah. And I love the, 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 the list of American uh, icons that he throws in there, and then you hear a bit of... Um, Martin Luther King and all it's yeah. it's very inventive and very it's, it sounds very modern it sounds like it could have been done specially for Black Lives Matter or something it could have it could have it's done timeless. yeah it's and I think that those problems then are still kind of the same problems oh, yeah, now yeah. which just never were fixed yeah yeah um yeah how weird that you brought up Billy Paul and yeah. <laughs> yeah so I'm a soul boy basically through and through and I've seen most of my soul idols I've seen Diana and I've seen uh Shaka Khan and Patti LaBelle. I saw, I mean, two powerhouses there, but I saw Shaka Khan at a festival two years ago. Oh, right. Oh, my goodness. You know when you think that people have lost it? Yeah. She has never, ever lost it. Neither has Patti. No, no, no. And Gladys's voice never seems to change. No, it's great. I mean, some artists, as they get older, their voice changes a lot. And you you can, can, I mean, for example, Tom Jones doesn't hit the the same high notes at the end of Delilah that he used to. It's still great, but it's not the same. But people like that, you know, Gladys, the voice doesn't alter a bit. And she's in her 70s now. And how can that be? But wow. I think looking after yourself and maybe not indulging when you're younger. A, not indulging. And B, not stopping. When yes. they when they take twenty stop. years off and come back, it's not the same. Tony Bennett is he ninety yet? If yeah. he's not, he's not far off. Yeah, I think he is. Um, saw him at the Albert Hall only five or six years ago. Um, it's still in you know the voice is in great nick. He can still turn the mics off. Does his trick of turning the mic off and filling the the, the venue with, without any amplification? He's got a new album he out as well. Do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I so it's it's use it and lose it, just like running or mental agility or whatever it might be you know do not stop you don't ever stop using that voice young johnson <laughs> you're telling me off because i did say i was gonna re- <laughs> I, if i didn't sing again and people were like thank goodness but if i didn't sing again it wouldn't be the end of the world but i think it it comes to this thing i've had a conversation with friends before but when when you have something that um you can do naturally uh and people think oh you know you can do that naturally i don't know if you care about it as much it's a bit like if you've got curly hair you want straight hair if you've got blue mm, eyes you want mm. brown eyes if you want you know it's, th- it's those sort of things and so if you can sing you know you're like oh, i wish i could do i wish i could paint is what i would say to myself like which is right. ridiculous instead of just you know caring about the craft that i've sort of done i do love songwriting it's one of my favorite things to do one right, I, right. I, 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 I just love it um it's highly stressful but uh, anyway not about me more about you right. um music wise uh, you kind of have alluded to it but uh, what is the best thing when it comes to music for you bill uh, do you mean the style of music or what music does to me or what do you, what do you mean? whatever you like it to mean okay um well the, the style of music is as i said motown and philly and uh Black soul, not black soul, soul, I should say. Doesn't you can matter, say that. It's true. What color your skin well, is. at the time, it probably was black soul at the beginning, and now it's just soul, isn't yeah, it, really? Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, the BBC has done that soul um, documentary series on mm. BBC Four on Friday nights, followed by an hour of soul artists at the BBC. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so you get go right back to early 60s 
you've got um, the Supremes doing Baby Love on Top of the Pops in like 64, I think. Classic. Uh, through to pretty much now. Uh, and the only white artist that they've had in the whole series was Dusty Springfield. Oh, yeah, well, she's very and soulful. She she absolutely stood up to to the best of the uh, best of America and the best of, of black artists, you know. So uh, it should it should know no no color boundaries, you know. I think it's influence, isn't it? So mm. when when you grow up with something, when you're a kid, you wanted to be an astronaut because that's what you saw. And I think when you hear this amazing music and it's done by black artists no matter where you're from, you know, you can go to the Philippines and you can go to like all different places in Asia and they sing with this soul. You know what I mean? And they're not black, but Um, they brought up on it. And I think that's the difference when you're brought up on it. And even if you didn't go to church, that is your church when it comes to music. Yeah. I had a a romance with a gentleman from Chicago some years ago Mm -hmm. and um, he came over here for two or three weeks and uh, we were driving along and I put on a Beverly Knight uh, CD in the car and he was absolutely blown away and he then bought every single Beverly Knight CD as a, as a West Midlander of course she's saying thank you she's thrilled saying thank me. you I'm sure yeah she is a I think she's one of the the most underrated uh, voices we've ever produced I, 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 I mean she does well yeah but she doesn't do stratospherically well I think there was a there was a, a, a black hole when it came to the 90s that there were these powerhouses like Beverly like a guy called Connor Reese, who did this show as well, like a, a lady called Lucy Silvers. There were so many other people that were doing this soul stuff that just didn't cut through and they were just so talented. Mm. Um, it, 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 but, you know, they're still doing stuff now. That's me beeping away. I, I tell everyone to turn their phones off and I never turn mine off. That's what happens. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah. would you say when it comes to music, the best thing is sort of Philly and Motown kind of music? Or I mean, you, you can say just say soul if you like, soul? because we're leaving out um, Stax and Aretha yeah. and a lot of other stuff if we just say that, aren't Great we? documentary on Aretha Franklin, to be honest. Oh. There's a really, really good one where they found some old footage uh, that she didn't want to be put out oh. um, and uh, they spliced it together and it was so badly kind of edited with the, the, the audio and the visual and they've made it into like a, a visual. Do- it's amazing. Mick Jagger's in the audience. It's from 1973, I think, wow. and just it's incredible. It's going to be a film, isn't there? Is that an Aretha film? Oh, yeah. maybe. And I and I can't think for the like of me who's going to be Aretha. But I remember thinking, oh, that's a very good choice. Oh, I can't oh, think who it is. We'll fact check it. Fact check. Yep. Yeah, we'll do it. That we'll that's do what it. they're there for. Jennifer Hudson is playing Aretha Franklin in Respect out August the 13th, 2021. Uh, next up, thanks, Bill, for that. Uh, next up, we're going to be talking something random. Do you know what it's going to be? Don't I've got it yet. down to two now. I'm down to two. Well, you've, you've got <laughs> How long the, have I got? You've got the next 10 seconds to think about it, right. <laughs> Bill, something random. Um, mm. What is going to be your topic? We've had some crazy topics, so where are you going to go with C- this? Can I give you my top two and you can you choose either of them? Oh, is that, is no that allowed? No one has ever done this, so... As it's you, Bill, no. Yeah, of course it is. (laughs) Okay. One of them is still music-based, although it's nothing we've talked about so far, and I was very careful to leave it out when I was talking about the kind of music I love in case it came up now. Is it your husband's choice of words when it comes to learning songs? No, there is that as well, (laughs) but of course we've already had that one. Um, It's Eurovision. So that's one thing. Okay. And the other, and it couldn't be more different, is Buses. Oh, okay. So I've got this whole thing. Yeah. Okay. So I, if I, if we're doing this live and we had a student audience, were we asking oh, them? Oh, we'd definitely do like that. Red pepper or, or what was it called? Red pepper and green. You know, green tomato, red pepper. Red pepper. Yeah. No, no, no. No, <laughs> red, no. no it, was a, it was a very silly thing to do because peppers can be green or red. You're absolutely right. No wonder you're confused. Uh, I always thought they could have had two things where they only come in one colour. Red tomatoes and green, green peppers. peppers. There you go. But they Ready, should, have, they should have had courgettes and tomatoes yeah. or... yeah. Um, spinach and tomato, shouldn't they? Because it was, it was confusing by having peppers. Peppers can be orange as well and yellow and black. All of they the, can be all black. The, all the colours. All the colours. They should have just they had two st- things. It was like a badly thought Green through. cucumber and red tomatoes. And they, could, they wouldn't have to said green and red then, would they? Yeah. Cucumber or tomato, which is it you could, they could have said? I'm going to say tomato. Sorry, I'm going to say <laughs> Eurovision. Okay. Yes, I would love to hear about buses, but Eurovision comes first. So, what... And why is it the best thing about something random? For you? Right. Well, I was eight years old and uh, my godfather was also my piano teacher. And uh, because he was a family friend, he and his wife off, she used, off, used to come as well. And he and I go and do the business. And my mom and dad and my god, was she my godmother as well? Or was she just my godfather's 
wife. I'm not sure. But anyway, Auntie Tit was because they, they they were they were Mr. and Mrs. Titterton. They were they were Fred and Emmy Titterton. Nice. And I always called him Uncle Fred and her Auntie Tit, not knowing, of course, as a small child that there was anything she probably funny didn't care, or did about she? that. No. So Auntie Tit and Mum and Dad were watching telly or having a chat, or whatever. And we were I was doing my piano practice, and they then stayed for dinner. And the telly was on in the corner and adults talking away, boring for a young child. And it was the night of the Eurovision Song Contest, which they had no particular interest in. Do you remember what year it was? I certainly do, because it was 1967, the year of our first win. Is that Lulu? No. Oh, I'm so terrible. No, Lulu was a joint win. And Lulu was uh, two years later. Oh, I was close, though. You were close. But, but Lulu was only a joint win. Lulu won with three other countries. And after that, they changed the rules to make sure that could never happen again. Mm. So the, this, this is a much more, much more famous song and winner. I don't have it in me. So you're going to have to tell me what Well, if is. I say Sandy Shaw. Oh, okay. Yeah. Boom, bang, a bang. No, that's the Lulu. Oh, for God's sake. Puppet on a string. <laughs> Puppet on a string. Of course. Yeah. Sorry, people are like, how dare you dare? I'm going to have to give my gig card back, aren't I? I'm afraid just you are. Yeah, sorry you about are. that. Yeah. So I, so I was watching, and I was just transfixed by the whole thing. And then, of, of course, we won, which was very... And do you know who, who was the commentator for, for the UK that year? I mean, I didn't even get that. It was, of course you don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Was it Ryland Clark? Was he around? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> It was Rolf Harris, unfortunately. <laughs> it was Rolf Harris, yeah. He was, well, he to was be the honest, hopefully back in that time, it was fine then when he was... When well, he, was uh, he was a national it. treasure, wasn't he, back then? <laughs> and, and, and if you watch, if you watch um, Scylla, not Scylla, uh, if you watch Sandy's performance now, that her microphone was not turned on. Ooh. So you know it starts, I wonder if one day that... And it's, this all, it's only like one second long where there's no... And it, and it comes on and I was just I nearly died I was transfixed and, I, and it was going to go wrong and I couldn't bear it and then it came right and we won and I think that chance moment uh, then coupled me to Eurovision for life and last night Daniel I was with my friends in Essex and we were having one of our we do it about four times a year one of our Eurovision meets right and we what we do is we play old contests or even old um, national finals, uh, you know, like the Melody Festival in Sweden, for example, from 1991 or 2003 or whatever it might be. <laughs> and we hotly debate the merits and shortcomings of the various songs. And we can make a long, long evening out of that. And it's just the best fun I ever have, I tell you. I love it. Have you watched the documentary? Uh, not documentary. Have you, have you watched the film? I have, and I'm afraid I'm in the in the hater camp of that. That's a, I think that's it a takes harsh word. It well, <laughs> yes, I shouldn't, shouldn't really. My, my mother wouldn't allow you to say she, you hated anything. You disliked. I, 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 I strongly disliked it because it is riddled with ludicrous cliches. Well, now I was going to say. Well, yes, but I was going to say inaccuracies. Ooh. Which, which don't need to be wrong. They're, they're, they're wrong for no reason. Like in the semi-final, Daniel, in the semi-final, they've got Spain and the UK on on the board. I'm These sorry. are two of the big five. We don't, pay... need to, we don't need to be in the semis. No, because we, we pay money to yes, bypass that, to get through to the final. So to Spain. <laughs> so just, and there's 101 other examples of silly things they, they got wrong for it. no reason. Ask us, ask us. You know what I mean? All you got to do. Yeah. Um, do you know what? You want me to stop banging Lovely. the table? No, I don't so, care about uh, that. This is the passion. It's like you can bang the table. Um, it's funny you say Eurovision because in this podcast, we've had someone that did Eurovision. Would it be someone who denied you doing Eurovision? <laughs> I'm guessing. Someone that she you... never denied me. She was just better. <laughs> Lucy Jones. Lo Lucy, wasn't she fabulous? Oh, she did yes. a great, great job. So, so good. And it's yeah. funny because um, I'll play you this and I'll put it in the links below. But uh, um, I'll write that down as well. Links below. I say it a lot. Um, and then I forgot. And everyone's like, you didn't put anything in the links below. And I'm like, oh, I'll, mm. I'll write that down. Mm. You're saying about Sandy, saying that her mic didn't come on. Yeah. When I was doing the You Decide for your I, I, I was watching. I've no My mic say. didn't yes, come on. Yes, I know. Because they gave it to one of my backing dancers. Uh, <laughs> well, so everyone thinks I... And, and by the way, my backing dancer is singing full out. Yes. Not knowing the mic is You were on. wrong, Daniel. You were wrong. Yeah, it's fine. But I'm glad that Lucy did it. And Lucy's done some great work. And she was fantastic in everything she's done since. And she's got a new stuff coming out as well. So definitely check that out. Um, it'll be on Spotify and everywhere else you get your music from. I love that answer. That's that's oh, well, that's a beautiful you. answer as well. And I, I'll put that down. When I tell people, like, oh, something random. People have chose this, 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 and your vision. Um, 
We've got a new question for series two. Oh. And it's not on your piece of paper. Oh. But you do get a little break because I need to make sure that I haven't burnt the apple pie that's in the oven. Right. Um, or the apple grumble. So here we go. Mm-hmm. Bill, what is the best thing when it comes to you? Now, if I were an American, I'd be off for a two-hour rant, wouldn't I? But we'll British people don't like doing that, do <laughs> we'll they? We'll find out after this little yeah. short break. Bill, I'm so sorry to ask you this question. It's, like you said, if you're American or, you know, you, you're a little bit more less british like we are with yeah we just like um i don't know um i'm nice you know that's normally where we want to go um what is bill what is the best thing about you well one of my best friends says my greatest quality is my total honesty he also says my biggest fault is my total Total honesty (laughs) and i even if i say the emollient suitable words my face always gives me away I just can't hide it and if you say to me um, how was that dinner I will find myself saying this was good and this was good but that wasn't very good and I'm worried about the desserts now you. because you're just saying because we've had we've had a starter we've had a main yeah um, and I had no criticisms of either whatsoever okay well I'll take really that, how good you are cooking now we've got crumble and I'm slightly worried it just it just spills out of my mouth and even if I get the words right like a, a, a female friend of mine we went shopping for dresses with her for her and she came out of the changing room in a dress that I didn't like very much and she said, what do you think about this one? And I did manage to say, I, I quite like it. I don't know if it's exactly right for you. And she said, no, you absolutely hate it. And I said, why do you say that? And she said, oh, I don't know. It's something about the way you're going. And then she did all these like huge sort of pantomime horror faces <laughs> and miming being sick and falling over in a dead faint and all these things. And I said, I didn't do any of those things. She said, no, you didn't need to because your face did all, all of that for you. So at least you know where you are with me, even though it might not be where you want to be. Do loads of people come to you for advice because you're honest? Um, or, or like certain few people do? Or are they too scared? Yes. No, some, <laughs> some people do. Yeah, some people do. And I mean, it's a terrible responsibility to give, to give people advice, isn't it? I only give advice if it's asked. I don't give advice if you don't ask me. I'll be like, oh, I'll shut yeah. up. Yeah. I think I've, over the years, I've become better at not giving advice when it's not asked. Yes, me too. I'm still but, learning now. But I still, I still itch to do it because I know I'm right and I know I can sort anything out. And I, write it in a a song. I write it in a song. They'll hear it later on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that's it really. I, for, for all my faults, you, you do know where you are with me. That's good. Well, Bill, you've been a wonderful guest. I'm so happy to have you on here. Like, um, like I said before, you got me home every single night when I was driving back from mm. London doing a karaoke at Cuba. And uh, I did that on a Monday and then changed to Wednesdays and then a Thursday and stuff. But uh, I used to listen to you on LBC and you were just so sweet and polite. You're lo- lovely listeners as well. You you did the night shift pretty yeah, much as well. It was well. hard shift. Oh, it was hard. But <laughs> but it was lovely. And, and they the listeners absolutely made the show. I mean, the tiny they percentage did. of listeners who called in. Uh, and and became regulars and you know kind of friends and they they still find me now on Facebook and we have conversations and so forth and uh, I've, I've forgotten half of it and then they remind me um, like when I was talking about finding crumbs in Marmite and how it's the most appalling thing and it this is woman said she was in hysterics and <laughs> that's that's the other thing I I love to be funny and I lo- I like to you know put out a funny line and get a laugh but do you find I always get my best laughs when I'm not trying to be funny at yeah. all yeah me too. Isn't it weird? Yeah. If I try to be funny, it's terrible and just lands. If only I knew how to bad. bottle this and work this. It's because like... we're not comedians. Don't add another thing to your list, mm. Bill. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, what do you know your social media social media handles? Well, I don't bother terribly much with it. I mean, I'm, I'm on Facebook, and yeah, if, if you fine. if you put Bill Buckley in, um, you find you. They will find me. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've tried Twitter several times, and I cannot quite be bothered, and I just mm. kind of fizzle out again with it. And uh, I've never Instagrammed. I probably should, Yet. but then... Could be on TikTok Well, next. yes. But, I mean, people tell me it'll, it'll make me into a star and so forth. But I'm, I'm a bit past the age of You are caring. a star. I don't know what they're going to make you into a star. Well, I'd More of a star than most people, well, I tell I you. I don't know about that. But I'd, I'd, so, anyway. But on radio terms, of course, I'm on BBC Radio Berkshire. 
Great station. Th- yes, well, you, 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 you were one of us once, weren't you? Not too long ago. I've still got we hope pass. you are again. Good. I, I can't get in. Hang on to it. Um, so at the moment, I do Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And uh, the deal is I do another fifth show as and, when, as and when required during the week, which is very nice because you get to do other people's shows and uh, you know the various disciplines that come with them. So it's, it's, a, it's never a dull moment. Well, it's not a dull moment at all with you, Bill. Thank you so much for coming to my house. Thank you for my being a pleasure. lovely guest. My pleasure. Hopefully I haven't given you any food poisoning and I my dog's it. sort of asleep by your feet, which is very cute. Yeah. Um, Bill, um, if I asked you to be a guest in the future, would you come back? Uh, if I can drudge up some more nonsense, yes. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you could. I'm sure there's I'll loads to talk about. We'll have new topics by then anyway. Okay. Uh, Bill, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you to our wonderful guest, Bill Buckley, today. It is such a pleasure to be in his company, as always. Thank you to Adam Harris. You'll be finding out his answer to his fat chicken this week after this. Bethia Beats, track of the pod, we played right after fat chicken, so thank you so much to them and her. Thank you to the boys at Film Bag. Make sure we don't miss out on those films that we haven't seen that we now need to see. None of this would happen without Professor Ollie, our lovely producer. The music in the background is by Tom Baxter, Jimmy Lundy and myself. And the artwork is by JMD. Next up, Adam Harris's answer, followed by Bethia Beach, Track the Pod. See you next time. Hey, hey, Adam, Fat Chicken. I've been fact-checking for you while you listen to Daniel Johnson rattle on. And we were finding out if giant pandas, when they're born, are really smaller than a mouse. And they are. They're small. A giant baby panda is actually born on what we would consider premature. They are almost comically small compared to their mums, which seems mean wording. Um, but in new research, baby panda skeletons have revealed that they are smaller than almost any other mammal. Well, there you go. I'll see you next time. You feel like a safe space. It's a take it or leave a situation. There's no dominant feeling in this mayhem Just you and me Is loving you a contest? Who's the first one to break and pull their heart out? But we ain't got the guts to say it out loud It's how it'll be mm. Gave you all my love and then I took it back I'm so good at wanting things that I can have Put this to bed, thought we were done with I'm so done with that Neither of us acting like we say we will Loving from a distance is to overkill Playing down the truth of how we really feel This is how I really feel It's like my mom wants you forever I keep thinking back to when we were together Only want us when it feels right Rather love you on the safe side just a reminder that I'm lonely enough to wanna call you Still you pick up and feel the same as I do Like you're still mine Hear the whispers of I miss you when you text me Got me up reminiscing about us daily You know how the time flies right by Like I've been thinking about you all day, all Like my mom wants you forever I keep thinking back to